This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make this show every week. And this week, it's a huge welcome to Michael Keversham and Neil Dudridge, who've joined our Bobby Stokes tier, and Paul Stewart, who's joined the Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, guys. We really do appreciate your support. And if you fancy joining our little club, I've got all the details on the way soon. Coming up this week on the podcast, Saints left it late again, very late, in fact, at Millwall. But it's another three points and a win on the road. Going to review that game for you. And ahead of another international break, West Brom visits St Mary's. Chris Hall from the Albion Analysis podcast is going to be joining us later to preview that one. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined by our regular contributors. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10 and Alfie House is senior Southampton reporter for The Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 250 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, before we get into the football, the regular shout out for our Patreon community. As I mentioned, their monthly contributions fully support the show and we couldn't make TSP without them. There are four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has different perks like access to an ad-free version of the podcast. There's some exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles and some events that we're planning too. If you want to get involved in supporting TSP each month, just head over to patreon.com for 
forward slash Total Saints podcast for more details. All the links are in the podcast show notes and in the YouTube description. We're actually doing a virtual meetup for our TSP patrons, which is going to be on December the 7th, and that'll be at 7.30 in the evening UK time. The invite is going out very soon to all the active patrons in our James BT, Francis Benali, and Mick Shannon tiers. So keep an eye on your patron inbox for that. Let's get into the football, shall we? Ryan Fraser scored in the 93rd minute to give Saints a win in South London. Sorry, South East London. 1-0, the final score at Millwall. Uh, Glenn, going to start with you this week. I think what we're learning is never leave a game early. And I guess it is one way to win a game, but uh, it's not great for the nerves. I think it's a, it's a total vindication of the Russell Martin style of football. You could, you could see for the last half an hour that Millwall were blowing. And it was just a case of you know would we would we get the goal at the end of the day and um, you can just imagine the Millwall players getting to ninety three ninety four thinking we've done it we've done it we've got there and then suddenly they haven't done it so it's uh, it was a beautiful thing and uh, a great moment for all the all the fans that were there uh, you know, it looked absolute pandemonium so uh, yeah tremendous stuff the, the game as a whole I'll call it an interesting first half in that we were the better side we we're so good in the back two thirds of the pitch and then there was no goal threat again and it was a he was a little bit disappointed from that point of view. We had a couple of sort of half efforts um that were kind of straight at the goalkeeper type things like Alcaraz had one, Stuart Armstrong had one. So actually that was quite a decent save by uh by our, our old mate Bart and Millwall somehow didn't score with that header from three yards from the set piece. I would have been very disappointed in Millwall if I was there, if I was a fan of theirs because they, they really didn't do anything much. They had set pieces and and that was that. We got to half time at nil nil. Um, we obviously needed to have more attacking threat in the second half and and we did and we we came out and um, there were shots flying in from all over the place. Stuart Armstrong, Adam Armstrong, Suleimana brought a really good save out of um, out of Bart. It's funny, we, we get to the last 10 minutes. I'm, I'm never expecting a late goal, even though we've had a little bit of a habit of it now. I never expect it. And um, you get 93, 94, and you, I, I'm still in the mode of settling for nil-nil myself. And then um, Ryan Fraser, who had done very little, really, since he, um, since he came on, pops up to score again. So, it's, uh, so it, it turns what was a decent if slightly frustrating performance into into a brilliant one getting that goal at the end and uh, and yeah um it it would be nice to win goal games earlier but <laughs> it doesn't give us any time to throw it away so um, <laughs> that's the I'm strategy not going not going to complain about it for a second brilliant uh, steve you were in that away end uh, what were the scenes like at the end how was it yeah it was good fun limbs and bodies flying all over the place it was um yeah it was pretty manic yeah i, I kind of echo echo what Glenn said in that it kind of almost felt it almost feels inevitable that we're going to get these now I mean it's six six goals after the 87th minute this season that have earned us 10 points on their own and I think I think I read somewhere somebody actually had more far more time than I than I did um, this weekend and went back and and checked I think it's about three and a half years sort of before this season where we'd where we'd actually managed to score six goals that late in games. So yeah, the 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 difference in us coming strong at the end of games is is just such a marked difference from what we've what we've witnessed over the past four or five years or so where we've always looked I mean even even when we were half decent, you we always had a collapse in us at the end at the end of a game when we were holding on for a one goal one goal win or or a, or a draw away at 
um, away at a big side. And now for us to be the, the side that's constantly pressing and there's always a threat there. The depth that we've got coming off the bench is is good. Um, it's interesting that the whole Ryan Fraser thing, I mean, obviously, as sort of widely uh, widely documented and joked about now in hindsight, I was kind of not overly keen on on the move. <laughs> and I mean, he he seems to seems to be making all the right noises in terms of wanting to earn a permanent deal here and and this that and the other. Um, it's it's interesting that he seems quite content with with this role of super sub, like literally only playing maybe 15, 20 minutes a game, but coming on and making the difference. And I think that that's the sort of thing, That's those are the sort of characters that you do actually need in, in a side where you've got a manager who does actually now know, I think, um, his strongest 11. And therefore, it's going to take something fairly spectacular or injuries um, and suspensions um, to change that 11 sort of going forwards. Yeah, well, we'll get into Ryan Fraser a bit in just a minute because uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about there and a lot to, to unpick. Um, Alfie, it did feel like we just stepped up the pace after the break. Something was said at half-time. There was um, some words and, and maybe a bit of analysis and, and the second half seemed to be much better. Yeah, I actually thought as a whole, the, the game probably went quite similarly to, to Hull City, you know, in terms of the first half and the second half improvement. It looked totally different because Hull played a totally different way. Obviously, Millwall was the low block and... You know, they weren't really that keen on coming out and pressing, whereas Hull trying to play football. So the game was a bit basketball, a bit end-to-end and looked a bit more open. But obviously, as Glenn said, the set pieces for Millwall in the first half looked really dangerous and I was really worried about that. You know, I thought they were, they were certain for a goal from those, like you say, Web, wherever his name was, um, Wes Harding should have mm. scored, should have put them ahead. But then Ryan Fraser said to the club at uh, full-time, that, you know, like I say, Russell Martin pointed something out at halftime. They obviously want to play side to side through the thirds and then try and penetrate through the middle if they can. But I noticed in the second half that Carl Capitas was getting in behind a lot more on that right-hand side. So I don't know if it was just something that they just need to spread it a little bit wider and just make the pitch wider, try and pull Mill out. But the stats show in the second half, you know, almost complete dominance. Um, I don't think they had a shot on target in the second half. I think they only had one in the first half, to be fair. And like I say, we've seen that countless times in a row now. It's really impressive. And, and Steve's absolutely right with the 10-point snatch from goals 87 minutes or later. You know, four winners and then points against Norwich and Preston as well, which is something that Ryan Manning told me would happen after Shepherd Wednesday. So we're seeing all the sort of things that I think we probably hope to see, expected to see. And I think the best thing is there's still loads of room for improvement, in my opinion. So yeah. if they reach that, they could really be an exciting team. Yeah, and a potential goal scorer still to come into the side. Mm. Obviously, Millwall Mickey was on the podcast last week. Lots of love for Millwall Mickey on social media. He was on to preview the game. He was also asking for members of the armed forces to get in touch if they wanted to be involved in the Remembrance Day commemorations, which were going on at the Den. Someone who did that was Alex, Alex Bennett. And I'm pleased to say that he's going to jump on and join us just to talk us through the day yesterday. Cheers for coming on, Alex. Um, You're currently serving in the Navy, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Tell us about the day yesterday, because we got to see you on the telly yesterday looking very smart in your, your uniform. It was uh, it turned out to be quite a, a, a memorable day for you. Yeah, I had a brilliant time. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. I heard Mickey on the show, uh, managed to get in touch with him. He organised the uh, a parking space, a ticket for the game, along with another one for a friend of mine. Uh, managed to get us into the exec office, went down in my ceremonial uniform, collected some donations for the British Legion, which was really nice. Got to mingle with some of the Millwall fans who were adamant before the game that they were going to concede. If I'm honest, I was probably <laughs> feeling much the same for us. So fortunately, I, didn't, uh, I wasn't correct. And it was a, it turned out just to be the one nil. Yeah, really well looked after by the fans. Got to meet Russell Martin before the game. A few of the players, everyone seemed in pretty high spirits. Um, went onto the pitch, did the laying on the reef, uh, held the last post. And then uh, did a little march round to the away fans and was quickly shuffled in to a 
celebrate with the rest of the Southampton fans. So yeah, great experience. Had a fantastic day throughout. So yeah, I just want to say thank you to Mickey because he organised everything. Really looked after us. Uh, got us in with the exec box, and I think I think we met the the owners of the team as well. Of Millwall met their managers, and was, everyone was fantastic. So not the um, the rowdy bunch that I was expecting to to uh, to meet when we uh, went there. Alex, it's not the best connection, um, which may or may not be your end. But um, can I just ask your thoughts on the game? How did you you think we played yesterday? What were your your kind of takeaways, and and what was that atmosphere like in the away end? Because you didn't have to watch it there, did you? You could have uh, you could have gone to the boxes again. Yeah, could have, but it was there was a there was an atmosphere amongst the Southampton fans. It was it was good. Um, got a season ticket, so uh, I'm used to a bit more of a um, reserved Southampton crowd, should I say? So it was nice to be with the away fans and. We're bouncing from minute one. So, yeah, a really good experience. And if it's good enough for James Beattie being in the way end, then uh, then it, it's good enough for us. Um, <laughs> what are your, your aspirations for the rest of the season, Alex? What are your thoughts just uh, just quickly on the manager and the team and, and, and how things are heading at the moment? Uh, I'm, I'm really optimistic, to be honest. I think we're finally obviously hitting a bit of form now. I, re- I enjoy how Russell Martin plays. I like the change. Hopefully we get a bit of stability now and he's given a chance. I think... The way in which we play out from the back is, I think it's a good way to to turn in terms of like the progression that we're going to be going forward. It's just getting the Southampton fans on side and that kind of the nerves that are felt from then probably impact the team a bit more. So as long as we can get more fans on side and get St. Mary's to be the uh, encouraging environment it needs to be, I think we can really achieve and I don't see why. Uh, playoffs are uh, a reasonable target for us to have to be honest yeah well big game at the weekend Uh, Alex thank you for coming on thanks for yesterday as well thank you for answering Mickey's call and uh, enjoy the rest of the season it's been uh, it's been great to have you on and to share that experience so uh, enjoy the rest of your your weekend Uh, Alex who was there yesterday a couple other bits from the game Glenn I mean I think you said yesterday that Alcaraz it was the Alcaraz from last Mm. season that was back in the second half Um, what did you mean by that what I meant by that was is that Last season, he seemed to have one thing in his mind, which was to drive forward at every opportunity and have a shot. Now, he's at the start of this season, you know, it's been mentioned by Russell Martin that he sometimes struggles to get Alcaraz to understand the whole picture of what he wants. And he, he's looked to me like a player who's been playing a bit with a, with a burden of not really 100% understanding what he's supposed to be doing. But I thought in that second half, whether they simplified it for him or, or what, I just thought he was the one player who was really driving us forward and and making a difference. If you look at all the chances we had in the second half, he's he's in the middle of most of it. With um, with bringing the ball forward, so he he really stepped up. I thought in that second half, and it's interesting that he completed the game as well, which he's never done. I don't think, mm. certainly not this season. He played the whole ninety five or whatever. So for him to to get through that all ninety five minutes, I think that will give him a big sort of like boost going forward as well. Obviously, he's had the boost of linking up with Argentina as well. So there's um you know there should be a lot more to to come from him but I, I thought in the second half yesterday he was excellent a couple of misplaced passes in the first half which can obviously happen to anyone but he um yeah he certainly stepped up in the second half and I just thought that that looked more like the player who played in a quite uninhibited way at, you know last season even though the team around him was a complete shambles he still sort of like stood out so uh, yeah that's that's what I meant by that so uh, yeah but he's got to do it for more than more than 45 minutes you know you want you want to ultimately see him dominating games which he will hopefully when he gets a bit older be um be good enough to do 
I think it's a good spot from you, Glenn, because uh, Russell Myler at full time yesterday unprompted mentioned that he thought that was Charlie Alcaraz's best game for Southampton this season. Mm. So you've uh, you got the ID. There you go. Well, Alfie, the other thing was um, I think the manager said after the game that Ryan Fraser would have started had he not had food poisoning. I don't know if you, you picked up on that as well. He said he, he's had a frustrating week and he, he might have started the game had he not had food poisoning. So is that some sort of clue to the, the West Brom game? Do you think he would have had a bigger role yesterday? To be fair, I didn't hear that. I, he said that last week about an illness. Um, so I don't know if that's. Maybe he's just referring to that last week, but I think, yeah, I think when, so. yeah, but I mean, when we spoke to to Ryan and to Russell, they both said the same thing in sort of terms of I'd love to start Ryan, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to change a winning team. And I think you sort of alluded to it earlier, um, Glenn and Steve, where you said that's exactly the sort of character you do want in the squad. And I think Ryan is more than happy to actually just be that super sub right now. And like I say, I don't think they're going to be rushing to change that. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't the same eleven again um, next Saturday for West Brom. Well, it can't be Ben, ben, ben Direct suspended, isn't he? Oh, of course. Yeah, very true. That is a big blow, actually. I didn't, I didn't even notice at the time. as I only found that out this morning. Um, that's It's an interesting one. I mean, we go back to the debate of, is it Mason Holgate or Shea Charles again? Um, obviously, we had that conversation when Taylor came out last week. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. It's got to be Holgate. Yeah, I would think so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the good thing is, Steve, as you point out, you know, five wins out of seven now and building some momentum. And, it, you know, gradually it's it's starting to feel all right. You know, it's coming back on track. It, 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 yeah. It's a good time. I mean, Birmingham aside last week for the vast majority of the game, we've not played against teams that are very obviously rubbish. Um, we're getting results against sides that are very well organised and in many cases have their own qualities. We're all defensively strong. Um, I mean, as we mentioned, we didn't create a huge amount of clear-cut opportunities, but ultimately we we had the composure in the last minute. And that's kind of one one thing that I I want to say about Adam Armstrong is that I mean, as ever, he doesn't he's not involved like on a constant level in mm. games, but yeah. for him to have played ninety-five minutes and in the la- in the ninety-third minute, the ball falls to him about three yards from the near post most number nines would be swinging mm. their, their left foot at that and just hoping that it, fi- it finds a gap. Um, but he's got the presence of mind to l- just lay the simple pass off to, to Ryan Fraser, who's obviously in an infinitely better position. And that, that that does show both sort of clarity of thinking and a sort of unselfishness, which you don't often see in, in centre forwards. But I think it's it's a, it's a kind of an under, underrated part of his game, I think. And it looks like Ross Stewart might be coming in soon. Alfie, I know he he, he had a uh, scored at the weekend on Friday. Was it the under twenty ones? He played yeah. forty five minutes and scored. So that's going to give everybody a lift if he's just back in the squad this weekend. Yeah, it took him what seven minutes to get that goal, didn't it? Um, <laughs> and it was I think right the club, well. yeah, I mean the club were, were sort of trying to keep it as low key as possible because obviously they don't know exactly how fit he's going to be, how ready he is, but. Good stretch for the uh, for the ball. Put him off forty five. There was a few fans saying, "Oh, hopefully they're just resting him for tomorrow." If there's any chance of that, um, I'd be. Uh, he, he, they said he'll come back in now, wouldn't they? So they've said he'll probably be on the bench. Um, so maybe he'll get twenty minutes, maybe he'll get thirty minutes. But I don't think we should be expecting loads from Ross Stewart. I suppose the one thing that does come at a good time is that it's international break straight after. So if he gets on for fifteen, twenty minutes, sort of gets over that mental block of playing a game for the first time since January, he then has another ten days of just pure work with Russell Martin with the team, um, fully get back up to speed. And who knows, you know, he could even be ready to do sort of thirty, thirty-five, forty, and um, when they come back. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good option to have. Uh, the international break's interesting because the last two times I think we've come into the international break sort of with the, the real potential for a, a real high, a real high two weeks. And obviously we had Sunderland, um, we had Rotherham last time around. So it'd be nice if they could just get the job done this weekend and give everybody an unequivocal positive two weeks to not worry about it at all. 
And yeah, I mean, we will get on to, to West Brom very soon, but Glenn, it just feels like, uh, you know, with Ipswich dropping some points at the weekend, I thought, you know, they were going to get their, their first defeat. Leicester obviously losing on Friday night. Ross Stewart coming back in. It, you know, maybe things are starting to move in the right direction and, and we can all be a bit positive heading into that break. Yeah, I'm, I think this came from last year. I don't really care about anyone else. We got to do, we got to do our job. I mean, that Leicester Leeds game, that was one of those ones where, yeah, it's funny that Leicester lost at home, but did, did we want Leeds to win? Probably not, really, because um, Leicester are miles out in front at the moment. So, uh, and Ipswich, I'm fully confident that they're not going to last the pace with the um, with the squad that they've got. So, we've just got to look after ourselves and, and make sure that we keep picking up points, keep this home form going, hopefully keep improving, and um, and all will be well. And the league table will look after itself. But uh, but yeah, it's very very positive times at the moment with the performances we're putting in, the results that we're getting. The, the general way that we're playing in a sort of controlled way. And um, yeah, bring on West Brom next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to that one. It's, uh, it's another team in good form. So uh, so yeah, things things are very positive. And yes, you're you're dead right. It would be nice to go into the um, to the international break with a with another win. If we don't, then you know you've got just got to reflect on um, sort of like how well the last few weeks have gone. And uh, the you know no one goes through the whole season without any blips whatsoever. So if if there is, you know, if we do if we do draw or even if we get beat, we've just got to think, well, okay, we've got to pick it up again. The team's more than capable of doing that. Yeah. Okay. Let's go through um player of the week. Uh, any standout performers for you, Steve? Who are you gonna narrow it down to? Um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go for um Carl Walker Peters. I think first half we didn't quite use him as as much as we should. Um it wasn't like the Birmingham game where Millwall were where Birmingham cut off the passing lane to him. Millwall were letting us pass out to him, but we chose not to, um, which I found a little bit strange. But second half showed a lot more willing to get the ball into those areas. Um, clearly a design thing. And he, he caused them all, all kinds of bother second half. And it was ultimately him run, him running them ragged down that flank, which um, which tired them out, I think. I know this is not the segment we're doing, but I tweeted about Carl Peters early today just because I've been so impressed with him. And I had a couple of people saying, you know, it's nearly January soon. It's not something that I thought about at all. Um, but do I? Do any of you have a, a, a fear or a worry that maybe when January 1st comes, you're going to be sat there for 30 days sort of hoping that Kyle doesn't get a call? I think realistically, if anyone was going to come, it would have been the summer. Mm. Yeah. A year. Yeah. I mean, four or five months of, of watching him play, play against um, championship opposition, I'm not sure he's going to... Is going to have changed anybody's anybody's opinion mm. on him, really. I mean, he's clear he's comfortably the best fullback in in the division. But is that enough for the sort of the sort of level of side that level of club that we would consider selling him to? Mm. So I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think we're we're going to be in sort of in any mood to sell to your sort of Forests or West Ham or Bournemouth or anybody sort of in the sort of outside of the top six really and are any are any of those big sides going to be coming in for him i wouldn't have thought so i think mm. that if they're if they're looking at fullback they're looking to someone who can come in immediately and play play at champions league level it looks like he's enjoying his football again doesn't it he's got a smile on his face mm. and he, he seems to be loving life which i know you can't really read too much into that but um you, you would think helps. that uh, yeah mm. it, it does it definitely helps right any other nominations for player of the week so we've got carl walker peters i'll chuck ryan fraser in just because he scored the goal um glenn anyone from you you're gonna go with uh alcaraz yeah I, th- I think so i think i'll go with carlos alcaraz but if um if i could have it if i could maybe nick a second one in there i'd go for jan bednarek again 
because I, th- I think he he holds everything together. There was one one particular moment I didn't mention earlier on where Howard Bellis made a bit of a mistake, and you know Bednarek read that superbly and went across and um, and snuffed it out. And that's that's kind of the um, the role that he's playing now. He seems to be more of a leader at the back. And um, I know we've mentioned him before in that context, you know, relatively recently. But uh, it will be interesting to see how we replace him next week. Not least because he plays the the left hand side as well, which I know Holgate doesn't prefer because he's very right footed. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But I think uh, Bednarek could be a big loss next week. Any other names for the mix, Alfie? Chuck in. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go Ross, for the other Ross one. Stewart then. for Friday. And yeah. the- no, I'll go for the other one. I'll go for. I'll go for Taylor with Bellis because I think similar to exactly what Glenn said, basically. Um, but yeah, I think just think he did the same thing for Jan as well. I think they, they just both cover each other so well. And I think Taylor's uh, particularly strong as well. I don't think he's the quickest player in the world, but he's really strong. Shielded. There was one moment actually where he, he shielded the ball out for about 10, 15 yards with about four players on his back. And I was pretty nervous about it, but he gets sees it through. So yeah, he's some, he, that partnership is brilliant. I'm, I'm glad that they won't be playing together against West Brom, but hopefully he can just come through that. Yeah, it's a shame. Hey, right, talking well, about look- nerves. Talking about nerves. What about when Camel Dean decided to do the the nutmeg in his own penalty area? What yeah. was all that? About? <laughs> that was and, that was Camel and, and then, Dean's. And then turned then turned back and played it across the six yard box. Yeah, yes, marvelous. What was the applauded by the manager when he did that? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think Camel Dean was doing that as a response to the atmosphere in the ground. I think because he got a little bit, didn't he, for the when he needed treatment. Obviously, as we've sort of mentioned. Um, so I think he really played up to that atmosphere and it's a massive risk to take um, and like I say if I played that ball across the six yard box when I was playing albeit I was terrible I wouldn't have got the same reaction that Russell Martin gave him which was a big round of applause on the sideline saying well done come with me um, but yeah I think yeah yeah good player uh, right we'll get that player of the week uh, poll on our social media hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Another international break is looming, but before that, it's the mouth-watering prospect of fourth versus fifth. Chris Hall from the Albion Analysis podcast is joining us to preview West Brom's visit to St Mary's at the weekend. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? You right? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Is this Chris Annie's dog? Is no, uh, she's is it... um she, she's got fed up and gone over to the other sofa now. But um, yeah, <laughs> she got bored of listening to us. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The, um, I mean, fortunately, you're on the headphones, so uh, she just got bored of the fact that I wasn't prepared to play ball with her. Actually, but uh, right, yeah. okay, I won't take it personally. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on. I mean, look, three wins in a row now. I mean, you've got to be happy with that, right? One defeat in ten, um, seven clean sheets in the last in the last ten games. To be honest, since we had a bit of an iffy start to the season, um, and con- basically we're conceding two goals a game. And Corbran came out after the Huddersfield game and and pretty much laid down the gauntlet to the players and said, "If you keep conceding two goals a game, you're not going to win many of them." We've been we've been absolutely tremendous. It was met with a bit of disdain from the fans early on because. 
as with most things, when you when you shore a team up, you start with sorting out the back and then you worry about scoring goals afterwards. And it started with a nil-nil draw at Bristol City and we, we you know we got another nil-nil against Millwall and the fans weren't exactly purring, but some of the football in the second half yesterday against Hull was... I mean, I don't know whether you guys have seen our second goal, but our second goal is... I mean, it's in the words of Alan Partridge, it's liquid football. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it it really is. It's a joy to behold. If it, it, the thing, if it's one of those goals that if it had been scored in the Premier League, then uh, you know Sky would be splashing it all over their socials. But because because it gets scored in the EFL, it doesn't get a look in. You know, always good to get a Partridge reference in on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, goals haven't really been a problem, have they? There's uh, they've been banging them in this season. I, I don't know. They, I mean, we've 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 had a heck of a lot of injuries actually in in the forward areas. We, you know, we're, we're without John Swift at the moment, who's our our top scorer with six goals. And, and at the point he got injured, um, nobody else had got more than two. And to be honest, recently, no, they haven't been. We've scored three, two, and two in the last in the last three games. But if you actually look before that, we'd 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 only scored more than one in the last five and and probably our goal tally was slightly masked by a 4-0 win at Preston which was which was extremely out of character for us make no bones about it we are we're a pretty pragmatic side our success this season is built on the fact that we keep a lot of clean sheets like we've kept the most clean sheets in in the championship we've kept seven clean sheets in the last 10 that's why we are where we are and we've just got that little bit of x factor up front whether it I mean Grady Dean Garner is just playing out of his skin at the moment John Swift when he's fit is is a fantastic player Jeremy Sarmiento's just come back from injury he's he's also a very good player and Matt Phillips is just having an absolute renaissance um he i mean he's got he's got shifted out to um uh, to, uh, to to left wing back um at the at the ripe old age of 32 and he's just he's just absolutely loving life out there he's been he's been tremendous so we've we've got some players who can make the difference but in reality we score one or two goals a game normally and we win because we're we've been rock solid at the back so what sort of a game are we expecting at St Mary's? Are you going to be pressing from the front and uh, trying to, to harass us out of the ball and possession? Or I don't. I, I, I mean, we, we we pressed we pressed Hull high up the field uh, because we knew they wanted to play out from from the back, and uh, and the first goal comes from us pressing the goalkeeper and pressing John Michel Seri, and and he makes a horrible mistake, passes it straight to Jed Wallace, and uh, and we score. And I, uh, given the way you guys play, uh, I would be surprised that um, that if you know you're going to play out from the back and we uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't try that but the thing is it just depends on whether it works or not because we tried the same thing against Plymouth a few weeks back and they got through our press really really easily in the first half and then uh, and Corbrand changed it at half time because to be honest if if Plymouth had a goal scorer worthy of the name. And this is not disrespectful to Plymouth because I thought 90% of what they did, they, they were the best attacking team I've seen at the Hawthorns, but they just couldn't finish their chances because they didn't have anybody clinical on the end of them. And if they had, they they would have probably gone in 2-3-0 up at half time because they, they just exploded our press. So... It, it depends. It depends on whether it works. I think what what you will see from us is that we will we'll sit back and we'll try to hit you on the counter because that's what we want to do. We want you to come out of your shape. We want you to come and press us, and we want to find ways through that. We we really do struggle against teams who sit in against us, and 
that that won't that won't be you. I, I do sort of say it with a note of caution though, because my, my mind goes back to the last game of last season where Russell Martin Swansea turned us over three um, two uh, at their place. But the, it, that was a bit different because we we needed to win to have any chance of making the playoffs. And it was very uncore brand like that we that we really just went for it. Um, and I think we left ourselves a little bit exposed. I think we will be. I think we'll we'll be quite considered in the way we go about it. I don't think we'll be we'll be looking to to chase the game. I think we'll we'll look for ways to pick you, pick you off when when we can on the break, and we'll rely on the fact that we've got the pace and quality of somebody like Grady Dean Garner, maybe Sarmiento from the bench, Thomas Asante if he starts, but he's quite often started Wallace in the nine um, away from home. So yeah, I don't don't expect us to come to play from minute one because we won't. I mean, last season was it? You were three points off the playoffs, weren't you? So have they have they strengthened? Is that what your yeah, the aim is? The aspirations after this season? So are you expecting top six? No, nobody. Um, look, you've got to you've got to be real about where our club is. We are in massive, massive trouble. We've got an owner who is desperate to sell. He's completely absent. Um, we've, we've we're under Chinese ownership. The guy has been to I think two games since he bought the club, um, which was seven years ago. So I mean, that's how much he he gives a stuff about the football club he owns. He's putting no money in. In fact, he's taking money out. None of this say, is. Has he repaid the loans yet? No, this is uh, and this is not conjecture, by the way. So you don't have to worry about any any legal writs or anything. It's um it's all in the accounts. He has he's taken money out in the form of in the form of loans. Um, he has made numerous promises of deadlines. The most recent of which was um early 2023. This loan will be re- repaid. Now we're sat here on the fifth of November. I think it's fair to say that we've passed early 2023 at this point. Yeah. Um, so. I, I think I don't think anybody has a realistic expectation that the money will be repaid to the club. The club has had to take out a loan from MSD Holdings, um, which a number of clubs. I, th- yeah. I think I think yeah, you we've, guys we've were one of them. Before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've got a fairly decent idea of the kind of interest rates that we're about to get hit with um, at the end of this season. So we, we're we're in massive trouble. We we're, basically we're in a situation where we everyone was up for sale. In the summer, so in answer to your question, no, we haven't strengthened. We 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 brought in two frees, which were Pippa and Josh Mazza. Um, Josh Mazza, unfortunately, has has had a, an injury that's going to keep him out till the other side of the international break. Pippa has played a few games, and then Sarmiento's coming on loan from Brighton. Other than that, we've uh, we've we've let players go on frees. We sold Dara O'Shea for for seven million quid to Burnley to kind of just keep the wolves from the door as it were a little bit and everyone was up up for sale in the summer but fair play to our um and newly installed uh chief executive mark miles which by the way ron gorley walked away from the club the chief executive didn't really give uh, too much detail of why um i would imagine and he certainly hasn't said anything since i, I would be surprised he wasn't under an nda and uh, he was not replaced he was replaced from within the club which again you know, Mark Miles is very experienced in the club, but he he's he's come through as facilities manager. Um, so he's not an experienced chief executive. You can see we're doing everything on the cheap. Uh, but to be fair to Mark Miles, he dug his heels in in the summer and he said that um, that basically uh, said that clubs were viewing us like a bargain bucket and th- uh, and thought that they could pick up cheap players and and that we weren't going to sell anybody for less than their market value. Offers didn't come in of what he considered to be market value, so he didn't sell. But if we're not sold by January, we're not going to be in such a um, such a strong negotiating position. People like Grady Dean Garner, if offers come in for them, we're going to, we're probably going to have to sell. 
So we haven't we haven't strengthened. I think in the summer, I th- I think I think a lot of the aspiration from Albion fans was don't get embroiled in a relegation battle, you know, because we didn't know what players we were going to have come come the first of September. We had a, we had a completely absent ownership. We didn't know whether the manager was going to go for because uh, Leeds spent ages before uh, before appointing their manager, and there was a lot of rumours that Corbran was going to go there. You know, we honestly didn't. We we were in such uh, an uncertain position. So to find ourselves at this stage of the season, after a third of the season, in fifth with the kind of results that we've had, all it goes to show is that Carlos Corbran. And I don't mean it's any disrespectfully to Kieran McKenna or any of the other managers who are doing a great job. Carlos Corbran is comfortably the best manager in uh, in in this league because he took over a team that were rock bottom of the league on the first of November, twenty twenty two. And he has took us. Uh, he took us to, as you quite rightly say, within one result of the playoffs last season. And then, with having still having to sell players and zero money to spend, he has took us into fifth after a third of this season. There is nobody else who could have done this job. He's he is staggering. He's the best thing about our football club by a mile. It is quite remarkable, given everything that you've just highlighted, that this is fourth versus fifth in the league. Steve, is this going to be the first sort of proper challenge that you, you were talking about earlier on? We were talking about you know, the opposition. This is going to be um, potentially quite a, a tough game. Well, I think I think Hull probably was was the first one sort of post that run of defeats. I think um, I think Hull away, given they'd not lost at home and, and we came, came through that challenge. I think the big the big thing with, with this one is that I think everyone goes into this game Knowing that West Brom are a decent side, I mean we're what fourteen games in, fifteen games into the season now, and they're fifth. So you don't you don't end up in that position fifteen games into the season by fluke. So I think everyone's going to have a good idea that it's not going to be an easy game on Saturday. It's not like the Rotherham game of what a month or so ago, where everyone turns up and expects us to um, to roll them over easily. So I'd like to think that the atmosphere will reflect that, and it'll be it'll be supportive, and it and it. In fairness, it has been the the last few games. The Birmingham game, for the most part, the atmosphere was excellent, and it's it's one of those where if we get a fast start, then I mean you've kind of pretty much guaranteed getting the fans fans on side. But I mean, as we, as we've seen the, the previous previous three or four years, our home record has been abysmal. So it's it's been one of those situations where people, I mean, a lot of people do genuinely look for the first thing to criticise. But if we're if we're looking like we're we kind of know what know what we're doing on on Saturday, then yeah, I, I think I think we've got a good chance. But it's yeah, it is it is a test certainly, not one not one I I expect us to I don't, certainly don't expect us to roll them over um, sort of easily. But it's it's interesting where where they kind of do play this free flowing football at times. Um, that goal yesterday kind of bearing that out that actually that sort of thing is something that Russell Martin would look at and think oh yeah this this is something that we can that we can exploit if they want to play if they want to play that way that creates openings for us but um, Steve just on that we, we we play it on the break I mean don't don't you know it's not that's why it's so difficult to exploit because we 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 only break the shape when you break yours so you look at you look at that second goal yesterday where that comes from is Hull being right on the edge of our penalty area we uh, the, the the play breaks down and we very quickly get the ball into midfield and basically their their left fullback has gone has gone right up the field and he's left acres for Grady Dean Garner to go into and we basically exploit the hole that he's left 
I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, having watched quite a lot of Carlos Corbran football, the best way, not, not wanting to give you the playbook on how to beat us, but the, the, the best way to, to beat us is, is to, you, you've got to get overloads into areas and, you, you know, you're not, you, you're not, you're not going to beat us by, pulling us uh, by by basically sitting off us and, w- and waiting for us to break shape because we're just not going to do that and as I say when we play this free-flowing football what we do is we do it at pace when the other team is overcommitted. we're an extremely intelligent team in terms of knowing when the opposition have given us a chance to to hit them on on the break Glenn, I just want to get your thoughts on this because I, when Chris was talking earlier, I was thinking, well, this is going to be a high-scoring game. This is going to be all right, maybe a couple of mistakes. But I, and now I'm starting to think, actually, it's going to be more like a game of chess, and someone's going to nick it one nil. Um, well, the only way it will be, you know, a, a free-flowing, exciting game is if, probably if we score early, and that will force West Brom to come out a little bit because you can only sit in your shape for so long if you're behind. You have to eventually start taking risks. So. It, it'll be an interesting interesting game, certainly from a tactical point of view. Do you say West Brom play with wing-backs usually? So three central defenders? And... Uh, away from home, yeah, we, we, we do. Um, yeah. We, we, played, we played with a four at home against Hull. Um, Glenn, just to give you a bit, of, uh, a bit of context, though, I mean, I don't know how much interest you guys pay to XG, but um, our XG against... For none. The, uh, <laughs> none. Well, uh, it's just interesting because it, it gives you an idea of how many chances teams actually create against us. Our XG against... And sorry, our non-penalty xG against in the uh, in the last uh, seven games has been 0.4 against Preston, 0.2 against uh, Sheffield Wednesday, 0.8 against Birmingham, 0.4 against Plymouth, 0.2 against QPR, 1.8 against Coventry, who really did cause us problems, and then 0.4 against Hull. That's how yeah, little all we those give teams, away. All those teams are crap. We're not. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, I'm surprised uh, Sheffield Wednesday managed point two. To be honest, yeah, yeah, so it, was it was a pot. It was a pot shot from twenty yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but on the other on the other side of things, we've played Leeds at home recently, or one of the best sides in the league, and smashed them three goals in the first half. Birmingham did the same. So, yeah, I mean, at, at home, we seem to be coming out of the traps fairly fast now. So I would anticipate us trying to do that straight away. And if if West Brom are sitting in, that that may may play into our hands in the first sort of like 10 minutes or so. But, it, I, you know, the, the game will the game will play out. Goals will, will massively change the way this game is going to play out. When you get any team at some areas that, want, that wants to sit in, the, the first goal is always is always crucial obviously if West Brom get the first goal then they'll sit in even more and it could be a it could be a frustrating game so I, I see this based on what you've said very much uh depending on who gets the first goal and it you know if it nil nil deep into the second half it could just be a it could just be decided on a mistake and um but I think you know we'll, we'll try and we'll try and play we were very susceptible to the counter attack earlier on in the season we didn't have any sort of structure in place when we uh, we lost the ball high at the pitch or we lost the ball when there were sort of four or five players in front of the ball but we we seem to be um we seem to be a lot better at that now but our defensive leader Mr Bednarek will be missing so uh so um, you know I, I think a lot of our improvement has been down to Flynn Downs who's been having putting in a series of tremendous performances in that sort of holding midfield role. So he'll be key to um, to stopping any counter-attacks. 
and we are very cynical as well when it comes to stopping counterattacks. With um, we're, we're quite quite adept at the um, at the tactical hence, foul. Hence, hence um, being suspended. Hence, hence why we've got so many players on four bookings. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think it's a. I think it's a game where all uh, all results are possible. But um, but the way we're playing at the moment, I'm to be honest, I'm quite I'm quite confident who, whoever we play against. Yeah, it's worth saying as well, Glenn, to your point, I agree with you. I think if you get an early goal, then we, we are in trouble because chasing a game is not something we're we're particularly suited to. What I would say is we're massively a second-half team where Corbran has had 45 minutes to suss the game out and, and tweak things. We generally come out in the second half a much, much better team. So... Mm-hmm. I, I would I would happily sit here and say if you guys get a goal inside the first twenty minutes I don't I don't give us much of a prayer to be honest with you I think if we I think if we get in at half time nil nil or better I really fancy us first Alfie, minutes, um, the second half will be our problem yeah well we've had all this haven't we and then obviously Alfie we're going to get the a goal in the ninety third ninety fourth ninety fifth minute I don't think anybody's going to be yeah. leaving early at the weekend um, what are your your thoughts ahead of this one. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think Glenn actually summed it up really well. There's probably not too much more to add. I mean, it's interesting mm-hmm. that Chris says there that uh, West Brom are a second half team because so are Southampton very much. So I think we, what we might see is. Turn up at half time. <laughs> yeah, it's been a dreadful first half with no Stay quality at all. And <laughs> uh, maybe a free all draw by the end. But yeah, Jan Benerick is going to be, based on what you've said, Chris, I think Jan Benerick will actually be a big miss because, like Glenn said, he's, he is the organiser. And when it comes to stopping those counter attacks, he's the one that I trust to be vocal and to be the man. But I think Flynn will have to step up in a slightly different role. I still I still see Southampton to edge this one, to be fair. I think that I think they'll come for it. And I think what we will have is the supporters will be behind the team the entire way. While St. Mary's hasn't always been the best atmosphere in the world I think they're given the seven matches unbeaten and the late goals like you said no one's going to be leaving early there's going to be none of that I think people will be expecting a breakthrough and therefore they'll be behind the team and that will hopefully the positive energy will see something come through Alright well you always finish um, Chris with the uh, the score prediction so I'm going to come to you in just a moment and get a prediction for the record I think only one person got it right last week so Steve score prediction from you first please Why not go for a rare clean sheet at home wonders would never cease um, hmm. another one nil Okay, that'll be right. Uh, Glenn? Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same as Steve, and this time, this time I won't change my mind. I'll, I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with the same. Very tight game, but one nil. And Alfie? I'll go with the the two one option because of the Sands Bednarek situation. The two one win. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm going to play like that. If we all get a win, and then um, it doesn't really help with the points, does it? So I'm going to go for a defeat. Actually, I think I'm I'm going to go for a two one defeat. Um, Chris, score prediction from you. How do you see this one playing out? Um, I mean, look, I'll I'll go I'll go a two one Albion win because after our recent run of form, I, I, I it's I have I have to be optimistic. Um, we've got the monkey off our back as well away from home. Um, we hadn't won for ages away from home. We've won two of the last three, but I would absolutely not be shocked if it was 2-1 the other way nobody nobody blows us away and we don't blow anyone away all all our games mm. are are reasonably tight um so I, I i don't think it will be one-sided in either direction and to be honest it's it's a flip of a coin i think whoever gets the first goal will win it let's put it that way okay brilliant um chris thank you so much that was really useful and uh enjoy the game at the weekend and we'll catch up before we play next if that's all right absolutely looking forward to it guys Nice one. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Uh, there was another game today for the women's team, Steve. They were back after the international break and uh, and a win, which is good. Yep. 2-1 win at home to Sheffield United. Uh, back at St Mary's after the uh, 
previous pitch troubles. Yeah, Sheffield United, I think, third or fourth from bottom. So we were massive favourites going into this one. Seemed to make a little bit of hard work of it second half, but um, another three points on the board. Uh, I think we're three behind Sunderland, who have now caught up their game in hand. Sunderland and Charlton, isn't it, at the top, I think? Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think we play Charlton next week. So, yeah, big game that one. Brilliant. Uh, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to look us up, it's at Total Saints Pod. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Threads, where it's at Total Saints Podcast. And as you'll know, if you're watching this live on a Sunday evening, we always stream TSP every week to Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We do like hearing from you as well. So if you've got any thoughts, uh, you can always drop us a DM or you can get in touch and send us an email via the website if you've got anything to get off your chest or share. Uh, you'll also find us on patreon that's where you can support the podcast with that monthly contribution patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast there's four tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month and each of the tiers comes with its own perks including some weekly shout outs at the end of the podcast for the patrons in our francis benali and our mick shannon tiers so thanks to dave melton mark atkins andy hollis matt hall anthony thompson saints in exile gavin ford james harron nikki nicholson southampton ny and drew dyer in the francis Benali tier and also Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, Nick Reed, and Paul Stewart in our Mick Shannon tier. And also thanks to Steve, thank you to Glenn, thank you to Alfie. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.